Hello, I'm Simon Talbot. And I'm Wendy Dean. And this is Moral Matters. Today we're talking to Mona Masood. She is a psychiatrist who practices outside of Philadelphia. And in the midst of the beginning of the COVID crisis, she saw a need to provide mental health care for the physicians on the front line and almost overnight stood up a support line. And so we're going to talk with her about how she saw that need and how she decided to fill it and what they've seen in the course of the last year or so. All right, let's have a listen. Mona, thank you so much for joining us today. It's terrific to have you here for uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. Could you just explain to our listeners what your background is? Sure. Um, Absolutely. Thank you so much for hosting me during the Mental Health Awareness Month, like you said. Um, I am a Philadelphia area psychiatrist. I work in um, the outpatient setting in the greater Philadelphia area. And I am also the founder and chief organizer of Physician Support Line, which is a peer-to-peer support line run by over 800 volunteer psychiatrists nationwide to support uh, physicians navigating the many intersections of our personal and professional lives. Wow, Mona, that's uh, that's amazing. And we are going to be speaking a lot about that in a minute, but I'm going to back up a little bit. Um, tell us a little bit about what you were doing and what your practice was like and, and, and what was going on before COVID for you. Sure, absolutely. Um, I'm, a, I'm in private practice and I'm an adult psychiatrist. And, um, you know, prior to COVID, um, we were, you know, we were kind of dealing with the, the usual things that were coming in. I see a patient of a variety of diagnoses. I also do um, therapy. I also see a lot of physician um, patients um, just in private practice. And so prior to COVID, I was pretty busy um, seeing uh, my patients and um, building uh, my caseload and everything like that. And, and as, um, as people say, then COVID happened. Yeah. And was there, a, was there a particular moment for you when you just went, oh, this is big? Yes, actually, I do remember that very particular moment. Um, I was, um, you know, sitting on my couch, scrolling through Facebook and social media on this developing situation that was at that time happening overseas and um, in Wuhan. And and uh, I was seeing in my physician forums, people were talking about getting masks and where to order them and all of that. And um, I I remember kind of laughing out loud saying, why would, why would we need masks? Um, it, it can't be that bad. And my husband, who's also a physician, was sitting next to me and he said, no, I, I, think, I think it really can. And it dawned on me right then that if he's saying it, and he's a pretty easygoing guy, he doesn't catastrophize mm-hmm. or anything. When he said it, it really did hit me that I think we're in, um, in, in something huge. Yeah. And so I can imagine there was also a change in your practice. And at some point you kind of said, "Oh, uh, um this is this is bigger than I can than I can handle on my own or than that private practice psychiatrists and psychologists can handle alone." Can you just 
talk about what it was like to make that realization and then think about the physician support line? Yes. Um, very soon thereafter, um, I remember when the children's school shut down and everyone um, was asked not to come back from uh, spring break. And we had not made any changes in our practice at that time. We were still seeing everybody in person. I never imagined myself to be, uh, um, you know, um, practicing telemedicine. Um, I just did that just wasn't my preference. And I remember within one day, within 24 hours, I walked in to the private practice that I, um, I have a, a two other partners and maybe 10 other mental health um, professionals that work with us in our practice. And that day, we, I said, this is, will be my last day in the office. I'm going to go completely virtual. Um, I think we're under lockdown. I don't want to risk our patients. And within 24 hours, all of us, all now about 20 providers, um, went virtual. Um, and I think it was... It was it was devastating for both sides. For me, um, for me, as I, I enjoy the company of my patients, I, there's a being in their presence is something that um, brought something uh, irreplaceable to the rapport um, in uh, uh, being with them and talking with them. And I think um, you know most psychiatrists know what I mean by that. And then to go virtual, um, it was it was pretty devastating. So, Mona, how did you go from you to 800 psychiatrists? So, uh, during that same uh, time as I, <laughs> I'm moving my personal practice virtually and all of all of that, I was still looking at these, um, you know, these physician forums um, that were the first to clue me in on how bad things were going to get. And talking about masks and talking about uh, preparing, we weren't talking about buying toilet paper, though. But we weren't <laughs> talking about a number of other things. <laughs> how do we treat this? How do we diagnose this? Um, how, you know, all of all of the different vent settings, even. So in these forums, I, I started, you know, scrolling just like everyone else. I think they now they call it doom scrolling, where we can't um, rip our eyes away from seeing the these uh, you know bad news essentially. And um, and as I'm looking at it, I started seeing more and more posts that were not just about how do we manage COVID. It was how how will we survive this emotionally, mentally, in one piece? How what does, will it mean to be a physician after after COVID or during COVID? We are forever changed. And and I knew reading between the lines, this was they were talking about their sense of self, their sense of well being. Um, their identity, everything that is a red flag for psychiatrists, um, seeing every uh, things become not just about the profession itself, but about how how we're um, who we are and who are we going to be. And um, right then, I, I really did not think beyond this um, sudden feeling of um, the need for emergent action. When you're seeing something reaching some sort of, um, you know, catastrophe, I, I put out a post um, that day on that uh, on a physician forum, saying, um, uh, calling all psychiatrists who wants to join me in creating a hotline to support our uh, physician colleagues navigating this pandemic, and. Um, and the response was incredible. I did not know what would happen with that post. Would it just get buried with everything else? And um, but the response was incredible. 
um, both from non-psychiatrists that were saying, thank you, thank you so much for doing this for us. Just knowing that you exist or will exist is, is, a, is a lifeline. And for the psychiatrists who wanted and knew that they, they wanted to be there for our colleagues who didn't know how, we weren't going to be on the front line as it began being called right after of uh, in the ICU or in the hospitals. But we knew we wanted to be there in some meaningful way. And it built from 50 to 200 to now eight, over 800 volunteers. And how many physicians are accessing these services now? Um, oh, gosh. There has been over the past year, because we started uh, on March uh, 30th, 2020, which is National Physicians Day. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when we launched the support line. And so a year from there, we have um, reached over 2,500 um, physicians um, nationwide, and it, it continues to grow um, from there. And that is only from the ones who have um, called in. Um, we have done different types of peer support groups and different ways of outreach as well. Well, wow, that's that's truly amazing, and thank you for what you and your colleagues are doing in 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 this in this work. Um, can you talk a little bit about the nature of the calls you're getting? I mean, what are people saying to you? What are the what's the what's the classic story? I know there's going to be an awful lot of different ones, but what are, what's the gist of what people are saying to you? The the, the real gist is that. People have been struggling under a very punitive healthcare system for a long time, and then COVID happened. We hear some version of that in almost every call, um, where they, where physicians felt um, first we were heard the PPP, P, sorry PPE stories of not having enough and being told that they could not bring their own and feeling very um, isolated and kind of uh, almost sacrificial. Um, and then it moved from, uh, from that um, to feeling very much like a cog in, um, in the healthcare system of feeling expendable that if something was to happen um, to them or they were to get sick, there, um, there would be worry about um, job security, about what would happen to their families, about um, so many different um, outcomes, and feeling like there was silence on the other end when they were addressing this with, um, you know, with their system. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all of that was behind the scenes of 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 the calls. Right. How much? Um... Uh, this is a this is a loaded question, but um, how much of this was COVID? How much of this was the backdrop of what they'd been through prior to COVID? Exactly. Um, most of this was things that they felt that they had to um, they had to accept about medicine, and um, and then it became that so much was on the line. It became a literal life and death situation when COVID happened. And whatever was happening before, which they told themselves that they had to, um, you know, that that's what it means to be a, a good physician is to put in extra hours and to, um, and to be always present and, 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 um, 
you know, stay away from their families and, and all of these kind of things, and not to mention the student loan debt and all the many different factors that were happening, um, that it, it became that it, it, it became intolerable because now it, there was no, um, there's no other way to conceptualize it except that my job is asking for my life. That's putting pretty fine a point on it. So it, it, it sounds like what, what people were feeling is, I thought I was doing the right thing, and now what I'm realizing is I can't ever do enough to satisfy the company that I'm working for, the healthcare system I'm working for. And, and it doesn't feel like they have my back. Yes, Absolutely. Um, right away, um, it was maybe within weeks of starting the support line. Um, there, I was asked to speak on the subject of, um, you know, what, what am I hearing on the support line? What is going on? Um, what are these vulnerable voices saying? And, and somehow maybe by me, me as a physician hearing it, will that, normalize what I'm going through, perhaps. There was a kind of curiosity, but also desperation um, of physicians reaching out to me to talk about this, whether it was in Grand Rounds or in some sort of CME or any of these things. And and it was really, and, and, and I immediately gravitated towards the concept that both of you have pioneered um, on moral injury. And when I, when I would talk about it just as a person who is, you know, not the expert, um, just someone who is ca- talking to a peer about this concept, the, the relief, the understanding, the, the feeling grounded, the normalization that physicians felt on, upon hearing the word and the, uh, and the conceptualization as you both had put it out there, that became, um, it, it it just put words to a feeling. It gave power. It gave um, understanding, and it gave direction where people before just felt so helpless. So, as always happens for me when when someone says that, is I am deeply grateful that people have the language. Yeah, and it's also heartbreaking that they need it. Yeah, that that is exactly the feeling I I, I share too. Have you seen? Have you seen changes in what people are talking about as as the pandemic has gone through different surges and as we're getting to the point where a lot of people are vaccinated and now we're we're thinking about whether or not to open and how to open? Yes, um what has been an incredible realization and and kind of again um in terms of normalization was that that doctors are experience um, the same emotions and the same reactions um, to the world around them as as everyone else, including um, social justice movements, including the election, um, including changes that were not just related to medicine. But, you know, our profession is such that it is impacted by all of these things, too. And um, and so any time we were uh, we, we were seeing changes in our phone calls or the subject of our phone calls in relation to whatever was going on in our country. Um, so we would have physicians talk to us about what it was like to be a black physician. 
um, and racism in medicine. We had uh, people call us about um, what their fears were about um, the election on either side of what would happen with the election, what would it would mean for health care. Um, and, um, you know, we had, um, we and now with the, with things opening up again and, and there being vaccinations, um, physicians are still afraid. They're still afraid of, of, you know, the different variants that are out there. They're still afraid of um, certain areas opening up too soon, of this not feeling like a universal response, and also of, of being discredited and one minute being called heroes and the other minute being um, vilified again, as these people who are pushing vaccines and pushing things on, on others. And um, it's, it's very hard to build trust um, and uh, build a sense of community between the healthcare system and the people we serve when we don't know where we stand as physicians in their eyes. Mm. Yeah. Mona, what are the lessons that this has taught us? What are the things that both the issues with the pandemic and the uh, mental health concerns with physicians, um, what are the things that we've learned from that? Or what are the things that you've learned from it um, and things that we can change going forward or things that we should be focusing on going forward? Absolutely. I think that there was multiple levels of lessons. One was definitely the individual lessons, which is that um, normalizing physicians to seek help is incredibly important and to create, a, um, to normalize that within physicians, not from the public, but from ourselves speaking to each other and saying that, I, you know, I want you to be well and we need ourselves to be well. And that being the message, that was incredibly um, important at an individual level. Um, and, but then it, of course, moved past just that and, and a very important lesson that came out of this. In, in the work with physician support line has been the need for systemic change. And what did that even mean? And what did that even look like? And, um, and I was humbled and uh, to start collaborating with multiple organizations on systemic reforms. And the, the projects that we've been working on have been um, at different levels. One, for example, um, which you both may be familiar with, is the kind of the punitive language that we find in um, medical, uh, state medical licensing applications and um, uh, regarding mental health, and um, which kind of leads to this culture of non-disclosure and hiding and not seeking help amongst physicians um, due to fears of losing this license that took so much emotionally, financially, time, commitment, all of it. It took so much to gain that license. And it feels like there's so much at stake to work on a mental health when it might be penalized. And so we've been working on that front in collaboration with multiple physician-led organizations to reframe the medical licensing applications to encourage mental health seeking. It is a ways away from um, being nationwide. But there has been reform and change at the state levels, and it is gaining normalization and advocacy, um, um, you know, across state lines. So that has been uh, a good outcome of this very desperate and dire situation. 
And I and the other one has been the Dr. Lorna Breen Heroes Foundation and their the the act that was recently passed in in Congress and continues to be kind of reformulated as well, in order to again encourage um, encourage mental health seeking and not to be punitive. But of course, we know that the culture in in of itself needs to change for that to really take hold. Yeah, that that's really great, um, and I, I hope that we can, as a as a collective, that physicians can keep working on those levels, on multiple levels, local, state, national, to push the, you know, push actions in the direction that we need them to happen, so that we're free to take better care of ourselves, and then take better care of our patients. Exactly. And I think now it has become unapologetic amongst physicians. And I say that because so many calls on the support line start with an apology. Um, Mm. Sorry for taking your time. This could have been used for somebody else. Somebody deserves this more than I do. Um, Your expertise should be for people other than, than us. We need to have this together. And that internalized expectation of being the hero, of having all the answers, of not having any sort of what is, you know, quote unquote, a weakness, that, that, has, been, that has been one of the most saddest things to hear uh, on the line. And, um, and, I, and I, I have hope, though, because it has evolved since we have started into being more um, to be more self-validating the conversations, the uh, the understanding that they that people and physicians are in put in difficult situations that are not of their own making, and being able to find their worth despite these um, barriers has been has been just a, a beautiful thing to witness. Yeah, that that's amazing. It it, it sounds like there's a real role for the. Physician support line um, going forward, <laughs> right. regardless of COVID, um, yeah. and um, and I think that's a really important thing that that we hope uh, you know will continue. Um, most of our listeners are physicians, and and um, obviously, if they need help, this is a good place for them to go to. But at the same time, some of the people listening to this are going to be the general public, people who aren't physicians. What are the things that um, you would like the general public to know um, about what doctors have been through and what's going on? I think the most helpful thing for the general public to know is that physicians are humans. We are not heroes. We are humans. And, uh, and though, you know, we were lauded as such and we were... Um, you know, being called that, it ends up creating an expectation and a pressure um, for for physicians who really could the bet the what they really could use from the general public, and I mean this for even healthcare workers, is to be treated as human beings, as being fallible, as being scared, as 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 having their own families and hopes and dreams that are even unrelated to just being doctors. Um, you know, be, uh, being treated as 
as um you know your as your neighbors and friends and and just your community and so when something like this happens where there's this big crisis that they too have support i often think about the way that heroism and superheroes are discussed in in the media and also in you know in movies and pop culture and the the image that strikes me the most is not their power it is actually their isolation they don't seem to be able to have relationships they're not able to have support they and it is it is very lonely it is very sad and i don't think people really want that um so to to be able to see someone and to really see them as just being this is another human being who's just trying their best today i think that would go a long way yeah so that's a that's a really important statement because i think it's hard it's hard to be in a relationship and to really connect with somebody unless you're willing to be vulnerable and being vulnerable means being human yes yes exactly and i think um you know i i think that it, it does change medical culture some something that we have internalized ourselves perhaps over time on what we of who we are in the doctor patient relationship uh, and and who and who our patients are and i think that covid has created empathy across across people of all different professions but especially because this is a health crisis i am hoping for empathy in in healthcare because i think by being able to acknowledge each other as being actually on the same side this is this is my doctor this is my patient we are really you know we're just trying to get through this together i think this acknowledgement really will change um the course of of healthcare it won't ask for self sacrifice it won't ask anything it will be uh, a partnership a true partnership which is what um we all kind of went into medicine to begin with was to be um you know to be in these kind of very unique um helpful and um relationships yeah that would be great well mona masuda i want to thank you so much for sharing what you've done over the past year to take care of the physician community and um how we're going to bring this to the broader audience and to help us partner with our patients to get to better. Thank you so much again Wendy for having me and and speaking about this subject that I know that we all um hold very dearly. Yeah. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Well Wendy that was another um sometimes difficult to listen set of stories about uh, covid and i guess the realization that all of this was bigger than one person this was bigger than uh, mona and her practice and um like a lot of people she moved virtual and um was very aware of the downsides to moving virtual and losing that relationship with her patients yeah and i think that's the thing that we don't think about often enough is how how you lose that richness of communication when you move outside face to face. It was better than nothing, 
but it's still, she felt the difference from face to face. And I think that's, you know, that's definitely something that a lot of people have spoken about through the pandemic, that there's a lot of convenience to having virtual care and there's a lot of um, logistical things that are easier, no parking, no travel. Um, but there's something very human about having that personal interaction with a patient and a doctor that's important to us. For me, the other thing that was really poignant in what she said was how physicians were willing to call the support line to talk with another physician, which I think is really important, but also that when they did, they were hesitant. They were saying, I don't deserve this. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that to me was, that was very hard to hear. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that, um, she mentioned being one of the lessons to learn going forwards, which is as as physicians, as a group of physicians, normalizing doctors to seek help from their own peers being something that we can take from the pandemic and leverage going forwards because there shouldn't be people apologizing for the circumstances that they find themselves in. Right. I mean, I think I think it's it's that thing of us constantly being in in a culture where we're always giving. And sometimes we need to say, it's okay for me to be taken care of. Right. And on that point of giving, you know, there was um, a very interesting line that she said about how so many of the people she was treating kept saying how they were giving up a lot as part of their day-to-day -day lives, and they'd continue to give up a lot. But as part of this, they realized that they may be giving up their lives. And, you know, that's... Um, sounds sort of excessive in some ways, but at the same time, it is the extrapolation of the uh, constant giving that these doctors are doing. And I, and I think we all like to think that when we go to our everyday jobs, especially when we're in the U.S., we're not literally putting our lives on the line, but that's very really, we, we didn't know what this virus was going to do mm -hmm. back in March of 2020 and April of 2020. We just didn't have the experience with it. And so it was terrifying not knowing exactly what we were facing. Yeah. Much like our prior episode, Mona is, you know, a doctor's doctor. She's a physician who's helping other physicians. And I think um, there's a lot to be grateful for that there are people out there that recognize the importance of that and that are willing to do that for all of us. Absolutely. Well, our next episode is with Ira Bedzo. Ira is a very good friend of both Wendy and myself, and he's going to be talking about how to identify episodes of moral injury and how to ask for change in ways that people can hear you. Yeah, I think that's going to be a great conversation. He's a bioethicist at New York Medical College. So as always, thank you for joining us for Moral Matters. If you want to continue the conversation, you can find us on Facebook at Moral Injury of Healthcare. Instagram at Moral Injury. Twitter at WDeanMD and Simon Talbot MD and at Fix Moral Injury. And as always, thank you for rating and reviewing us. Thank you for downloading our episodes. We really appreciate you contacting us. We continue to get a lot of feedback. In fact, we're now at 5,000 downloads and that's uh, very much something we're proud of and, and appreciative of. So please continue to subscribe. And uh, there are some interesting topics coming up. Thanks for listening. <laughs>